0: It's a Sunday, and it's episode 123 of the Outside Centre Film Podcast, and Paul is with me. Hi. Uh, so uh, we've got some stuff to talk about, and as we always say, when we we, it is funny how things always work. Like the the early episodes of the year are always slightly disappointing. Like, yeah, I mean, the process doesn't change. You've got your three films from world cinema, and uh, we obviously watch them, review them. Now. I think we'll be the first people to admit, Paul, that our first couple of episodes together have been a bit of a struggle because the films haven't been that great. Um, Yeah. God knows why, but that's just the way things have turned out. However, uh, we had a great time out with myself and Ben last time. This time, we've got some other interesting films to talk about. So, as always, patience is very much a virtue. Um, And to that point, (laughs) to the point (laughs) of patience, we're going to move on to A Yellow Animal our first review this week. Uh, and it's, it's a film that may test a lot of people's patience. But uh, for me, it's actually my film of the week. Fernando is a bankrupt filmmaker. As well as lacking in inspiration, uh, as I say, he's bankrupt, so he decides to confront his past as well as Brazil in the present in order to make the film he wants to make. Uh, and in doing so, lives with the violent memories of his grandfather, and the ghost of a Mozambican man who has been following him since he was a child, who takes the form of a furry, yellow animal. Uh, now, if that sounds about crazy to you, then you'd be absolutely right. Uh, Director Felipe Bracanza has put together something here totally fascinating and yet bewildering. Microscopic and yet very much macroscopic. Accessible yet completely also inaccessible for a lot of it. But above all else for me, unforgettable. And that's why it's my film of the week, uh, Paul. I don't even know where to start, really. I mean, the synopsis I provided at the top doesn't... It's an overview, which is what a synopsis has to do, but that's by far and away not what the film is exclusively about. There's so much going on here. Um, So, you know, the synopsis can't explain, and probably I can't explain what exactly is going on in this film 100% of the time. Uh, So I would encourage people to watch it and also contribute and make their own minds up. Um, For me, this film is very much a at the Brazilian audience but this is definitely a film about what it means to be Brazilian now and in the future. Now the film interestingly takes place in Brazil, uh, Mozambique and Portugal like these three countries are historically connected and the film runs with that, it links it to race throughout, it plays around with it, it switches it up.
1: I was really lost with this film uh... It, you you are right what you're saying when you when you read the synopsis and then you watch and saying, Am I watching the same film? What is this film actually about? Uh it's really it, it, it plays like little little if you like to say like an anthology, little stories. Obviously at the beginning you've got the older the old the, the older man with the younger man which end up they're actually lovers, but he's actually to me looks like He's still enslaving the, the the young man,
0: yeah, because
1: he takes money off him, uh, and then obviously goes on to Fernando, who's like the main character. You see him when he's younger, and and he offers, <laughs> I was like, he offers the the, the young girl uh, something that made him a man. That's all. say and it was like it was, <laughs> it was uh, I would say it was one of the what the fuck uh, type. Uh, what 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 am I watching? You know, and. Uh, I mean, the monster, the, the creature itself, when you see for a distance, it's like, has that been taken from, like, an old Star Trek episode? It's like a cross between an old Star Trek uh, creature or something from the, the 1970s uh, Doctor Who.
0: It's uh, not a great, it is not a great costume, let's be fair. It's, yeah. uh, and, and what that's one of the many problems this film actually does have. is. But then again, there's a part of me that thinks, is all this so meticulously planned? Like, is it deliberately meant to be, like you know, a, essentially a poor quality costume? Because, as I've said, yeah. it often resort. It's it's a film that often resorts back to other eras of filmmaking, and you know that costume, yeah. as you say, very much belongs in a different era.
1: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, and uh, obviously, the it's. Mean me, there's at the one point you actually see, see him standing with a creature right up and, and you see the face of it. It's like the it's like real, it's African style masks. Yeah. You, you see people maybe having their wall. Uh that's what it's like, and obviously it's it's bringing in the, the African culture side of of the film uh as well. And what what the one thing I did like about it was he started using themes or films like uh, the part when he goes to Mozambique, the the man and the woman say, we'll treat him as your very your our own James Bond. So when he puts the succeed on and the yes, suit on, hey, he
0: feels
1: yep. he feels like I'm James Bond, you know? Yeah. Same so thing. And Elvis, so there's lots of other, And what I felt at that is there's one scene where you go there and there's the man sitting there and it made me something like bring me the head of Alfred Garcia. Is that did I say that one right? <laughs> it yeah. made me that's sort an of, that's sort of exploitation type. It was sort of running into sort of spaghetti type western, and then it just went in a completely different uh, route. It, 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 I just felt it was it was a very unsettled film, but maybe that was done deliberately for the the the, the type of film it was meant to be.
0: Yeah, I I I, I agree, uh, but 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 equally we've kind of uh, we've often sat here and we've kind of said, well, something is very kind of you know all over the place, and that's yeah. bad, and that's bad filmmaking. I don't want to completely excuse the fact that this could actually be a really bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, as I say, ambition is absolutely fine, but um, the execution of it can also therefore have to has to can match the ambition, but should actually be good in its own right. Um, and I can't say for sure whether all the things that I like um, are actually good, really. I mean, there are there's plenty. I mean, basically, this is a film that, you know, plays a lot of cards. Yeah. It, it, it's like the craziest game of poker you've ever seen. Like, the, the, There's double the amount of cards than there ever should be. Now, the most successful card this film has in its, in its, in its, in its inventory by far is the race issue. Yeah. Like w- when it focuses just on race, with Brazil, Mozambique, and Portugal flittering between the three, back and forth, past and present, it's absolutely brilliant. Like there's nothing else quite like it. But then, as you say, it then starts to kind of think, well, how far can we go with this in terms of a cinematic experience? How far can we do that in terms of looking at Hollywood, looking at film making? Because of course, as soon as you have a character in a film who is a filmmaker, you just know that that person is either representing the director's view or that person's actually just going to do a whole kind of tis was about the filmmaking <laughs> process or the history of cinema. And, then, uh, and, and that's what happens here. Now, again, it's, it's good in parts, but in some parts it's bewildering, it's confusing, it, it's yeah. sometimes even irritating. But I, I just like the fact that this film exists. I think it's really, really interesting. Whether it's going to make it through to the final end of the year list, uh, from me, bearing in mind it's my film of the week, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Because, funnily enough, last time out with Ben, we did a film called Giraffe mm-hmm. that was that took on ex- existentialism like this film does, but in a lot more nuance, with a lot more nuance, and in a lot more of a sophisticated and quiet way whereas this is just smacking you around the head all the yeah. time back and forth past and present and and the future of course we shouldn't forget the future and it's the future element actually uh Paul that lets the film down for me right at the end I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens but it then it then exits the cinema screen if you will um it's it's completely you know and it, it's kind of like up until up, up until the last 5 or 10 minutes it was literally about the uh, the character Fernando and his life and his past, his present, his future, his ancestors and all the rest of it. But then it becomes about all of our futures <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or at least or at least very deliberately a Brazilian cinema attending audience. Um, and whenever it th- whenever things reach that far, uh, when you go that far out, it, it just makes me think of ghost story and that's yet another time i've mentioned the bloody ghost story <laughs> on this podcast because that is a film that is about taking it far far outside into this massive massive you know cosmosy thing and it's like i didn't appreciate it in that film when it was delivered to me via a drunk stoner at a party and again that's the third time i mentioned that this year for crying <laughs> out loud uh, and i don't necessarily appreciate it here because that was never quite really what the film was about. It was about Fernando's past, Fernando's present, Fernando's future, not about the planet's future. And that's unfortunately what it tends to be towards, again, the last 10, 10, 15 minutes. So that's the worst part, the thing for me. Uh, But as I say, the race stuff, some of it is just absolutely fantastic. Like again, I, I keep going on about the gemstone stuff. Like I don't even know if that's a real thing or not. But oh my god, the way they play around with that and they yeah. bring that and they bring that down to race. That essentially black women in this movie, th- when they shit gemstones, <laughs> they are only pure gemstones if they do them in Mozambique. If they do them in Portugal, they are not pure gemstones. That is just like um, and they run with this for a long time. It's like that is fantastic. Like I I, 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 I don't even know how he came up with the idea. I mean, does I assume this is again part of the past of the folklore of a Brazilian person in these countries, for example, and the African element. It's just amazing stuff like that, Paul. I've not seen yeah. stuff. You know, I, I've not seen this in other movies. Some of the some of the things in this movie.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean. Uh... I Think the director must have been smoking something, maybe shouldn't be smoking when I mean, he was uh, writing a <laughs> script up. Ex- uh, Fine, if that's what it takes, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was definitely playing. I mean, there's another film that I reviewed the on site uh, called Baccaru, which uh, is also a Brazilian film and it covers similar themes, but in a different they go towards a sort of John Carpenter sort of spaghetti western, uh, but they, they do. Fall same sort of themes of a uh, lost identity, uh, uh, the forgotten people, uh, you know, and uh, trying to find some sort of identity within the country. And it's also this film, also like that film, plays a lot on uh, Brazilian colonialism as well. Yeah, that, that's obviously where the Portuguese part comes in, and obviously, Portugal came to Brazil and they went to Mozambique, and obviously. If you look at it if you look at any country in the world, at the language, the potential language, you could follow and follow a route of where it all started and they probably all very similar uh, types of uh, histories they could tell. I mean it, I mean it's basically tell, telling sometimes to look at the back to see what we've done wrong to go forward. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, you know, I
1: mean that that to me that was the sort of message I was getting. Uh, but there's too many was also saying there's too many people and things that we should be forgetting about to, to go forward positively, as well. As well, that's that's just a sort of way out. Not to hold us hold us back. Let's go forward. Yep, we did do this in the past, but yeah, for yeah. for the future, let's try this so we can all be together. Because as you said, I mean like the the bit I liked was when he did go to the Brazil, the the Mozambique village, where they treated him as his grandfather treated the slaves in Brazil. Yeah. So, so I, I liked that sort of twist. And it was even a, even a little bit of Buster Keaton sort of type humour there where they kept yeah, he falling off. Yeah, kept falling into things, he kept throwing things at him. You know, but, yeah, it, it's it, like that back the film, it's one of the films, yeah, you might not exactly understand what's going on, but if you just sit back and just watch it, let what's coming to you in the skin. you'll probably enjoy it as much
0: yeah i mean i i don't i don't think the film takes itself that seriously despite of everything that i've said i think it's constantly wanting to have fun uh and and play around and do a lot of kind of thing i think that the the, the previous eras of hollywood yet yeah, buster keaton's an excellent shout very much so Uh, And also, as you say, sci-fi from elsewhere and all the rest of it. Yep, all of that stuff is very much about fun. But there is a very serious message here that never actually gets sentimental. And that's the most important thing for me. If you look back at a history of a race or something... Um, you can make a decision whether you want to make it a sentimental load of crap trap or not. And uh, this isn't, it it criticizes, it looks at the the good and the bad. It's not about our life was so much better back then. In fact, in many ways it was worse. So obviously like for all of us, really. So that's important. So basically for me, as a summary, um, (laughs) it's, you know, it's what it means to be Brazilian now. Uh, It, what it means to be, uh, a white Brazilian now, it's what it means to be an African-influenced Brazilian now, it, it's about what it means to be a filmmaker in Brazil now, it, and a cinema fan in Brazil now, there are lots and lots of, and whichever one of those individual points appeals to you the most, you will have a good portion of the film dedicated to it, because it's it's over two hours long yeah. I believe, uh, it needs to be, because of what it's taking on uh, but I was, I, I, I had no real issue with kind of you know the length or anything like that so it, it, it's fascinating phil uh, and basically for anyone that has got around to seeing giraffe it's the put per- that we talked about with ben last time it's the perfect companion piece to that in the sense that it uh, giraffe is a lot more a european and b calmed down and quiet comparatively but there are some similar things going on so if people have the inclination to watch giraffe and then watch something like this there yourself you got yourself a thesis uh kind of topic to write upon <laughs> if you yeah. care but otherwise it's at least something to discuss because it is very very interesting how these films do come about and how, how things can and even add your Brazilian one that we'll talk about when I mention your podcast before we end yeah. this well, uh, there's that one as well so interesting stuff in world cinema as always and uh, we, we call ourselves a world cinema podcast and of course we do films from all over the world. Uh, we do tend to do a lot of European stuff because, hey, we are in Europe and we can get their stuff easier. But this time out, we've had one um, South American film. We're going to move on to another one, Paul. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Emma, tell us about Emma.
1: Yeah, Emma's the latest film for the Chilean director, Pablo Aran. Uh, obviously, people make from films like No, uh, Neruda, and his uh, one english language film, uh, Jackie. Uh, it probably his breakthrough film to many people. Uh, it might be Tony Manero, which uh, was based on the John Travolta character for Saturday Night Fever. Uh, a lot of his films are very have a lot of political edge to it. Uh, largely thanks because he's from Chile, and and Chile, we obviously with a, a history of General Pinochet. But there's also a lot of religious elements in it as well. There's one film he did yeah. called The Club, which has that. Uh, so. It opens up with, with a burning effigy, if you like to say, of a traffic light, as well, and it's uh, and then it suddenly breaks, to well, the two main protagonists, a uh, Gilbert uh, Garcia Benal, who's starred in a lot of these films, many of the films that I mentioned, who's a choreographer of a contemporary, a uh, dance group, uh, his name's Gaston, and uh, one, and uh, obviously he's married to the. T- the main character, Emma, is played by a newcomer, Mariana. Mariana, I cannot pronounce her name right. I don't think like any, any of you have heard someone pronouncing it right. And she's a young dancer in this trip. She's very magnetic and she attracts everyone or anyone to her. Uh, so basically, when we do meet them, uh, the two of them are having an argument. And you can really see for that argument, the relationship is very toxic. And it's it's beyond repair. Uh, but what happened is they adopted a young boy and uh, suddenly something dark happened and ends up back at the social worker. But Emma, in this argument, Emma's determined to no matter what to get him back and she won't do anything. And when you do see the film, she does do everything. But when you do see, see her, she is uh, feeling of guilt and grief. So the actual thing, it does happen, as in the reason why they send the boy back to the the adoption agency. We don't actually see it because everything happens in the aftermath, yeah. Uh, type thing. Uh, so when they obviously, when you uh, start to watch the film, you're watching the film, you're watching the film, and you're like, "What's this about?" Eventually, it does get to a point where you start to get the pieces of the jigsaw put together and you, but the only thing is you don't actually find out what the accident was that caused it to send the boy back. The boy is called Polo and uh, the film, so you don't actually see the, the crux of the, the recrimination in it as well. So obviously all we, we, we learned is it was something to do with a fire and what happened and who it happened to we don't really know so basically, their relationship is, is a pretty much like a Jekyll and Hyde-type love-hate relationship. When you see Gaston, at one minute we click his fingers he could be a tender, very caring person, and then suddenly he's a nasty, uh, aggressive yeah.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. SOB. But Emma, she's t- totally different. Uh, I, I believe she's very introverted. You can never read her, read what uh, emotion she has at the moment. However, as a narrative, as you see, she can, uh, she's got that, as I said, Ella, she's very magnetic and she tracks everything to her. And what I've seen in the film was, it doesn't really just concentrate on Emma. Uh, Sometimes what I liked was a, one minute, you, you, you've seen it for Emma's perspective, then you've seen it for Gaston's perspective. Next, which is back. However, Emma's perspective, I would say, it is the main one that they do follow. I mean, what I think the film is all about is all about the, the, the attitudes towards the family unit. Obviously, eh, many countries, nations, we used to like, the, the man and woman being the mum and the dad. But obviously, things are changing. Obviously, you have... Eh, eh, gay and uh, lesbian relationships who are perfectly fantastic uh, parents uh, to uh, the, the kids. So obviously it's like attitudes towards femininity, masculinity, uh, corrupt obviously there is, as I said earlier, he is very much into his politics. This one doesn't have the sort of politics of his previous films, it's more politics of uh, corruption within authority, and there's uh, politics within and interpersonal, politics within uh, relationships as well. So basically, as I said, she'll do anything, and at one point, apologies if I do uh, give any uh, spoils away, she does seduce two people, and she does seduce them, which we learn, uh, we learn later on who they actually are as well. And it's one of the forms, uh it's if you don't, it's the one if you understand the art of dance and music, maybe appreciate this film a little bit better because a lot of the, the dance and that, especially as i seen it at, at the beginning. If you ever see the posters and anything, it's like the big sun, like a big sun, and they're dancing away, and that tells you stories. And throughout, as I said, there was the burning effigy at the beginning, and that theme falls through to me. That's like the rebirth, burning the flesh, in the re, in the yep. and, yeah. and then and the rebirth,
0: yeah, and
1: and then. In this opening dancing, uh eh, Emma's she's like a like an Aphrodite, a goddess of motherly love. But it questions you is she ready for for a uh, motherhood as well. I mean it's I will say it's one of the films, it's not gonna be for everyone. Uh maybe by the point when you start to put the pieces together, uh, you might have uh you might have had enough and switched off. As I said, it's it's, to me, it's for the purest of the art house. It's a world cinema art house. It's a theme. Uh, and old I call it an Aftermath movie as well. Uh, so it's basically, as I said, you you feel like there's another movie still to be told, i.e. the story before the accident. Who is this kid? Which you do you do meet in the film uh, to sort of connect uh, the film that you've just watched together. It's a bit of a serial film. It's a bit of a bewildered film. It's a bit of a do I have the patience to watch this type of film as well. So that's what I thought of Emma. Uh,
0: well, I, I agree it's not for everyone. Uh, and I definitely agree most of all that it's not for me. Yeah. Uh, this is the worst Chilean film I've seen on the podcast. And we've done a fair few. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Emma is a thoroughly dislikable character. But actually, her partner, the other dance teacher... Uh, is equally if not more insufferable than her uh, yeah. and actually everybody for me paul in this film is either vindictive jealous or severely judgmental like yeah. i just couldn't find a single likable person in this movie and that's for the movie itself you know it's you've mentioned his filmography you mentioned some of the things he's done on he's worked on he's worked a lot with sebastian lelio as well yeah and this is a film uh, like Sebastian that Lelio, you, can't, you simply cannot wait to show yet another dance scene. Uh, you know, it, it's it blatantly see Pablo Lorraine here kind of copying the Lelio kind of style with vibrant colours and and dancing and, you know, Lelio did that in Gloria, which is, one. if this is the worst Chilean film I've ever seen, Gloria is probably the best Chilean film I've ever yeah. seen. Um, because, you know, but for me in this movie, Lorraine isn't isn't fit to tie Sebastian Elia shoelaces, never mind have his, continue his (laughs) own career. You know, this whole thing just feels like a fucking fever dream to me, where the film is just going from one vindictive and severely judgmental person to the next. And, you know, Emma herself again, you know, not only does she, as you say, she's magnetic. But she's also magnetic to people telling her that she's fucked up in life. Like, constantly people telling her, Emmett, you've made a mess of things, you've made the mess of things, why have you done this thing? So for me, this film essentially, uh, you know, and the name of the episode, therefore, Strictly Come Aborting, <laughs> yeah that is that that is the, the that is this film you know and for a film called Emma uh, to finish off my first kind of go on this like for a film called Emma it is obviously imperative that the character Emma carries the film for me she doesn't you know i simply don't care later on in the movie where she starts having orgies with women or she has flings with lots of other men or her apparent desire to be born again the rebirth as you mentioned as a dance teacher somewhere else uh, in a different school in order to actually get her adopted unadopted adopted son back <laughs> yeah so for me paul this film is bollocks on toast
1: yeah, it is. I mean uh, that, that, <laughs> that, that that scene, sex scene. I mean that that was one of the weirdest ever. what that I mean met, and a lot of the dance I mean and I mean my Gaspar noise climax, where yeah. it's, uh, I mean it's. Uh, you go right, they're dancing. What am I watching? What am I watching?
0: Oh, well, you, you do know that Ben loves uh, loves Climax. Uh, oh, it's one of his favorite films of last year, so he probably get a kick out of this entire thing then,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, he probably will. Uh, I'm a big Gaspar Noy fan, but that film, uh, Climax, <laughs> uh, thanks to Netflix, I was able to watch it and I was like. What did I just watch? That I probably think that says worst film, as well. And how they could call it a horror. This is obviously. I think it's more. I probably say psychological. And then again, as you say, it's a mess. I mean, this film is on movie, and I think that's the perfect type of uh, platform for it. Because as I said, it's not for everyone. But the climax part and uh, that scene where the sex scene where suddenly she's be one. She's my man. She's my woman. She's with Gaston, She's my that. It's like if I've been, I'm like if uh, I've been smoking and eating something, man. I, I mean, I was just watching that. Yeah, the only thing I really liked was the music, and it, as in the, in the Nicholas Jar. It's only sort of personal because I, I, I discovered them uh, about a decade ago, and I liked a to like his music, and and that was the thing that kept me going. As well, but the dance style and the dancing remind my climax, and then that sex scene remind my climax. And that was me. I sort of said, No, the forms that I did mention eh, about eh, Pablo R- Laran, I do like like eh, eh, Naruda, and eh, no, eh, they are they are completely eh, they're more I would say more serious, st- more straightforward. Naruda maybe maybe a little bit of satire in there as well, yeah, uh, very much. Yeah, uh, eh, Naruda. Eh, no, is obviously to do with, obviously, General Pinochet and how the country in commerce came uh, more democratic. Uh, but this one, I was like, right, you, you can't... Uh, you're right uh, about uh, Sebastian Lelo. I know uh, Pablo Laran's brother is a big producer uh, for uh, Sebastian Lelo, so that's, I would not be surprised if Lelo was on this film somewhere. As well, all of a sudden, his uh, brother what, l-
0: lurking lurking in the background, kind of with his head in his hand, thinking, yeah. "What the hell is going on?" And I can't, I can't do anything about it.
1: <laughs> exactly,
0: cause, because
1: cause to me, uh, Laurent films are usually one of the staple diets of uh, an art house cinema. But I can see why this one was not given a cinematic release.
0: I mean, I think, we, I think we on the podcast, We di- I think we did Neruda years ago. Um, and I remember having problems with it, but still nothing like this. I mean, I, I don't want to be completely, I try not to be really. I mean, I do enjoy being negative. That's quite clear. But uh, when it's necessary, obviously when it's necessary. But, uh, you know, there are literally tiny bits in here and there about the cultural dancing of Chile, which you've mentioned. Yeah. And how, the, for example, reggaetons getting in the way of that. Uh, and how folk dancing's falling out of favour, but that, uh, I wanted more of that. Actually, if you're going to make it a dance film, a film about dancing, you know, strictly come aborting, then <laughs> let's have let, let let's have less of the aborting and more of the strictly come. Let's have more of how reggae getting in the way and stuff. But that's literally like three lines of the entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: yeah, it's exactly. like you know,
0: I wanted more. I wanted more context. I wanted more anything. I wanted more something. Not just a small gathering of rather awful people. Yeah, exactly. It's really, you know, un- unacceptable for me how a film can just have so many dislikable people in it and therefore be regarded as any sort of watchable, enjoyable exercise for me. It's just not going to happen. So that is that. And uh, yeah, we do we, we do, we like Chilean films. We like, um you know we we do on the podcast but this is a massive step back as much as we've had some interesting brazilian films recently brazil has gone up and this film relegates chile to the third fucking division or something like <laughs> we, 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 i think it's one of those where i think either one of us or me and ben going to do a chilean film to get over this one because this is not what i want to uh, represent chile on the outside sense film podcast, but uh, your intentions were fine, <laughs> Paul. Thank you, <laughs> your intentions were absolutely pure. I I wholeheartedly back them. Uh, and you weren't to know that Emma was Emma necessarily, so uh, right, let's move on then. We're going to finish off with uh, the house where the mermaid sleeps, and uh, I assume that therefore this is your film of the week, Paul. Uh,
1: I don't really know at the moment. I, I, the Brazilian film I like a little bit better. uh, well a lot better than Emma but obviously this one I'll I'll let you uh, describe uh, describe
0: it first have a little bit of a think Uh, in the meantime The House Where The Mermaid Sleeps uh, again this is the second film we've done this year that took place in the Japanese film touring programme when cinemas were actually open to house events I mean that doesn't even feel like a thing anymore (laughs) Uh, we did bento harassment uh, myself and uh, Paul did uh, sorry, myself and it. Uh Now it's time for, as I say, the house where the mermaid sleeps, which thankfully is a lot better than bento harassment. It's about <laughs> a child called Mizuo, who effectively <laughs> becomes brain dead after nearly drowning in a swimming pool. So the parents have to make quite the horrendous decision of whether to donate her organs and therefore clinically have her pronounced dead or keep her going on life support and have her merely brain dead. So, we have ourselves a bit of comedy here, obviously not uh, in times like in times like this, you may think, "Oh my god i don 't want to watch a film like this and i 'd understand that point of view, however, you would be missing out on a good film uh, and actually all told this could have been my film of the week it's just that it treads a little bit of a kind of familiar ground that i've seen before uh whereas the yellow animal is just out there so in other weeks probably the house where the mermaid sleeps could have been a film of the week but up against yellow animal it falls a little bit short but that's fine because i still recommend it and it's still a good film because this you know this you know the whole point about whether to be brain dead or clinically pronounced dead you may not think that's an issue But it's very much an issue, very much so, especially in Japan, because they do things differently to the rest of the world. And how the film explores all that is very, very interesting. Uh, It's also a film in terms of the technical qualities of it. It's a film that starts off extremely quickly, fast paced, fast editing, almost dizzying, which, uh, you know, nicely represents a young child who would, you know, eventually succumb to tragedy. And then when the accident actually happens, the film slows down significantly. Again, representing a child's post-accident state. So nuance there, and I like it. Uh, And it's the kind of of thing that you find semi-regularly throughout the film that often teeters on the brink of being too sentimental and occasionally does go too far in that. You know, there's heightened music in the background and there's tears in those moments and all the rest of it. But actually, it just about stays within the tolerable levels of that, uh, and it becomes a recommendation for me. For me, Paul. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's probably one of the three films the most straightforward of films, uh, oh,
0: no doubt. No. Film. No,
1: no. So you don't have to have your your brain, well your brain, on to sort of uh, get along because it is very easy to get along with. Uh, I mean, it's basically it's a it's a morality film as well, and there's a lot of if you've seen any. Japanese uh, or even Korean or even uh, Chinese uh, dramas. There's a lot of shoegazing going on here as well. And and it asks that question. I'd be treating people like robots because obviously Japan is as we you know, or Asia. you know are very much in their technology and are ahead of everyone in their technology as well. You know, and but also asks, uh the the question uh, of love and. Uh, of the uh, the child, how far are you willing to go? And once you go at that point, uh that point, uh are you forgetting the 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 objective as as in uh, the, the the keeping this child alive, or is sometimes as they like to say, sometimes it's just best just to let them go, which to, which could be the the best thing for them. The one little, as you said, I, I I totally agree with the the study of Japanese law with with the the brain, the death of the brain, and also the heart is another one that is very much uh, high with, with, with the Japanese, but it's obviously it, it plays on the technology side. I think so. It's obviously the father. He's a he's a. I don't know if he's the CEO of a company, but he's high up in the company of the technology, because mm-hmm. you do see a bit at the beginning. Uh, he's he's creating this. I think it was like a robotic robotic hand for a. You can see a young boy. Uh, was it. Parap- I think it was paraplegic. Uh, to help him to sort of move, as well as in the 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 mermaid side of it. This is a from a lot little Easter eggs here and here. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the mermaids are on the gate. On the gate. And I think it's uh, the mermaid is obviously the, me- the mythical power of motherhood. A little bit like Emma with uh, the cheetah, like, like Aphrodite, the god of mother- motherly love. Mm-hmm. It is very melodramatic. But if you've watched Asian uh, drama before, that that is a, a tone that you'll always get. In, in the forms, it has a bit, a little bit oddball as well. Because there's some scenes in it, you're like, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, it's getting a wee bit dark." There's one scene at the end. I won't say much about it. Uh, very very heartfelt drama. I definitely do do think it's a very heartfelt drama. Uh, I think it it tends to play like a psychological. It's a psychological uh, type thing. Uh, should you or shouldn't you? It's teasing you if you go this direction. This may happen but we should really go in that direction. But it's really, to me, it's really about the love of the parents and how they just want this little kid. What I did like about it is the ending. I won't say much. There is a little twist in it about what happened uh, to, the, to the little girl uh, we're all talking about. Uh, it is, to me, a well-acted uh, movie, uh, and highly ambitious type movie. And then the story does involve... One of the more downsides I would say about, about the film is maybe about 20, 30 minutes, maybe should have cut off. But then again, it wouldn't be a Japanese or Asian uh, film if it wasn't at least two hours long.
0: Yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't do the uh, 80 minute thing, do they, no. very often? So, no.
1: <laughs> no. It's definitely, I mean, if it's an 80, 90 minute man, it's probably a, a, an action movie, something like The Raid or something, where it's just, you, you know, you, you, you don't need a synopsis, you just go in and it's just total yeah, mayhem, exactly. yeah. that, it's that type of film, but uh, yeah, I did like it, I did like it, I pr- probably liked it just slightly more than The Yellow Animal, because obviously it was, I was understanding it a lot yeah. bit better.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that's that's fine. I mean, yeah, as I say, I was I was a little bit torn between whether this would be film of the week or Yellow Animal. You've got you've gone one way, I've gone the other. That's absolutely yeah. how I'd expect it to be. <laughs> uh, so that 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 actually that actually makes perfect sense to me. I agree with everything you've just said. Uh, I mean, this, this film does feel like somewhat of a public service announcement regarding what we are doing in robotics at the moment in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit odd, but fair enough. Um, but and Actually, one thing we haven't quite mentioned yet is the, uh, is, is the level of creepiness the film starts to, to develop. Um, and it just about has enough of that where you think, right, guys, you've got to do something now because it's going a little bit too far with trying to keep this child alive. Um, and it's starting to interfere with the children at school who are getting bullied, and it's starting to interfere with parties and people coming round, and almost like she's being paraded like some sort of um, some sort of doll or something, like it's for, for everyone to gawk at. It's a really really interesting way to go about doing that, um, but it it stops it being a horror movie. It doesn't quite go that far. But it, 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 as you say, it's a psychological drama of that. And I love how that just builds and builds and builds. And then it naturally comes to an end uh, at pretty much the right time. So as much as it's a long film, I don't feel that it should be. I, I don't think they should have cut anything out because there is some sort of a plan here. And the plan's executed quite well. Um, so I was a huge fan of that side of things. Uh, as you say, a little bit odd here and there. Um, but more importantly, it's better than Bento Harassment. Uh, but I still feel that there is a Japanese film we'll have on the podcast out there that will be better than this. Yeah. Uh, but but for the time being, this is very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, it, And the melodrama, as you say, I mean, it's Japanese cinema. Um, and a lot of the time, you, you get melodrama overacting, if you will, the hysteria <laughs> that they seem to have. But, you know, it's... It, and believe me, Bento Harassment was all about overacting. It was... It was an it was a it was a comic book live live style anime, but not anime kind of overacted, sugary, saccharine, sweet. Oh my god! So you know, on that sense, this is a lot more tolerable than that as well. So, um, yep, yeah, recommend it. Uh, that's absolutely fine. And uh, as I say, don't be put off by the fact that it is about a brain dead child. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, look, life is depressing enough, and yes, you don't want. At the moment things are anyway. But uh, you know, and you may not think you want this, but actually it's it's not merely about that. As you say, there's also the ethical and the moral things going on here, uh, and the robotic stuff, and kind of like the social aspects, so that it, it's not merely staring at staring at a vegetable for for two hours. There's more to it than that, it's more nuanced than that. There's technical qualities as well. Um, so thoroughly recommend it. Yes, very much so. So, that was, I, I believe we've come to a conclusion that was your film with a week in the end, then. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's definitely. fine. That That's absolutely fine. Right, uh, so, before we go, Paul, we've mentioned yeah. a Brazilian film that you've you've obviously uh, reviewed on your site. You've also reviewed it on your own podcast.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I decided to take the plunge into podcasting. It was just myself talk, talking to me about uh, a and the film I mentioned earlier on. Uh, and also a film i also, I, I seen back here at the Glasgow Film Festival, and I also seen uh, an IRI film uh, by a director called Nessie and Heddy, Heddy Man. She did then Humans and uh, uh, Marvels and Humans uh, uh, called Sea Fever, uh, which uh, Doug Scott and Connie Nielsen are two of so are probably the main star, biggest name stars in it. Uh, yeah, I thought 12 years uh, running a film site. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing websites who are like five minutes old. I've already got like, like a dozen podcasts and says, "Right, I need to do it myself." Obviously, I try to get the other writers to come on boards. Uh, most of them sort of said no, so I thought, "What the heck? Got to do it yourself." I will say it was a lot, of, a lot of trial and error, uh, trial and error, but it was enjoyable trial and error. It was I would probably say the error is probably more on the editorial side. As you know yourself, you've done uh, this podcast outside centre quite a long time and you get you eventually do get used to the editing side of things because it's a lot. I've never used the editing side because people don't realise a lot of things that you've got to do to just to get everything together to, to get this, obviously, the podcast we're doing just now. Obviously, that will come with uh, experience and practice, but yep, yeah, the people's movies uh, podcast is available. I'm going to be recording one uh, this week, and I've got one ready planned for the, the for me. I'm home. Let yourself maybe do t- two a month, maybe three a month. I've got a lot of ideas to do. As well, we do have a wrestling one which said uh, just launched yesterday with a wrestling. Anyone that likes a wrestling, which is, if you like talk about melodramatic. <laughs> <'cause>, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. absolutely. There's, there's one, John, you can go to. Yep, uh, it's Ar- Aaron's. Uh, Aaron Patel, who's uh, the editor there, he's very enthusiastic and yep, he's 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 launched his first one yesterday. So I'm looking forward to it. So obviously, maybe get yourself feel on board, and if you know Ben wants to come on board, we'll do a maybe uh, a couple of episodes of uh, World Cinema.
0: Yeah, so uh, basically, if people want more of you, they can find you uh, next month here, but also probably next week and further weeks between then uh, on your own People's Movies Podcast. So excellent stuff. Uh, The more, the merrier, always, is what this is about. Let's get more people taking a look at more interesting films that basically people that people films that people watch that a uh, mark mode hasn't viewed yeah because, uh, you know that's really 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 critically important you know cinema exists out of mark mode everybody it really really does right <laughs> <laughs> just not just get at them there people's movies for all of your stuff obviously i'll be back with ben in about a week and a half or so so uh, enjoy your films and um, we've got two recommendations this week make sure you check both of them out absolutely do uh, and we'll speak to you. We'll, we'll speak to you very soon. Bye bye.